Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. You ready for the word this morning? Are you excited? Uh, so grab your Bible. I'm going to read a portion of Scripture, and then I'm going to back myself down into it. So if, if I don't jump right into it immediately, uh, I'm going to close with it. So, but Acts chapter three, Acts chapter three is the very first miracle that is done in the Acts of the Apostles. So it's the very first miracle that takes place after the resurrection and the ascension and the coming again of the Holy Spirit. And this this Peter uh, that we've been talking about, how he confessed the Lord, but then it took a while for him to understand it. And and so Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, now Peter and John went up to the together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, a lame man, from his mother's womb was carried, and they laid him daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John and Peter said to him, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And so he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging at alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man, you got verse 11. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to, the NIV says, clung on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. The NIV says, he he clung to them. Say clung. Here's my question this morning and the title of the message. Who are you clinging to? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray this morning that you would help us to know that we must cling that we must hold on to, that in the moments of miracles, who we hold on to will determine whether the miracle will last. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been trying to walk us through this Lenten season from Ash Wednesday to Easter, this 40 days that is historically celebrated, not just in Christian terms, but in Judea terms, in the Jewish calendar. How we move from thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, into that place where Christ is formed in us. How we move through the crucifixion at the cross and into the reality of how Christ comes into our hearts and transforms us so that we are like Christ. And Peter has that great struggle, right, about how thou art the Christ, but now don't go to the cross. And we see that struggle in him about recognizing that reality. And yet it's Paul who really does the job of explaining this Christ in us, the hope of glory, how he was crucified with Christ. Yea, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives, say Christ. Do you get a theme here? It's about the Christ. 
There's something about knowing who Christ is and then being conformed into the image of Christ who now lives in us as the hope of glory. How Christ, the Messiah, the anointing that destroys the yoke. In the Old Testament, every time you hear or see the word anointing, somebody's going free. The anointing is coming on someone to do ministry, or the anointing is coming on someone to do something powerful, and that anointing removes every limitation, every bondage, every work of the enemy is destroyed by the presence of the Christ. And so when the Christ is spread throughout the Old Testament, suddenly the Christ is manifested in the life of Jesus Christ, and everything that Christ touches is healed. Everything that Christ does goes free. So that we see the manifestation of the power of God through the life of Jesus Christ. And yet we have trouble understanding and recognizing it today. And so we walk through this season trying to recognize that Christ came and died for the ungodly. That's, he dies for those that don't deserve it. He dies for us when we're yet sinners. He comes to us in grace and mercy. And then Paul says, we were buried. Say buried. So we were buried with him in baptism. That baptism is just some, not some memorial that maybe some do or some don't, but that we are buried in baptism, raised as we come out of the waters to the resurrection of the Christ. And now it's no longer just Billy Bob that lives, but it's Christ that's living on the inside of Billy Bob's life. That we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. That we've been blessed with Christ. That we're, anybody that's in Christ is a new. Look at your neighbor and say, you're new. The problem is, is that many new people keep dragging around old crap. But the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. That there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. That God was in Christ reconciling us to God. That he's not imputing, he's not counting our sins against us. That we're justified by faith in Christ. That we've been redeemed by Christ. That it's the work of Christ that sets us free of the bondages of this world. That it's the gospel of the Christ that helps each and every one of us to walk in the reality of God being in us. And in Galatians chapter 4, there's a little verse where Paul says, I travail for you. I, have you ever travailed for somebody? I mean, lamented for them, prayed, interceded that God would do something in their life. And Paul says, I travail that Christ would be formed. Say formed. I'm going to tell you something. In the last couple of hundred years in the West, particularly in America, if we could get someone to repeat after me, we thought we'd done something. I promise you I've been in the church long enough that we measure, well, we had 10 salvations. We had 30 salvations. Our ministry is geared to get salvations. Can I tell you something? They didn't count salvations in the early church. They counted people that had been formed. They counted people who had been reformed. They counted people who had been changed and transformed. What matters today is not that you repeat after Christ and you get a ticket to go to heaven, but has your life been radically changed so it's not just Billy Bob living in that world, but that it's Christ living through you and that people can see Jesus in your life. Hear me, you have been duped into believing that if you repeat after me and you recognize who Jesus is, that all is well. It is not. I'm not questioning your eternal salvation, but I'm telling you, you're living so far below the reality of where you can be that it's a sin of the church that's preaching just that. 
It is something that we're being robbed from because we don't realize that you can move from confessing the Christ to becoming like the Christ. And that you need to be realizing that you can get over those addictions, you can get over those habits, you can get over that attitude, and you can become a new creation in such a way that when you lay hands on people, the same thing that happened when Christ laid hands on people will happen in your life. The issue is formation. The issue is, is that you've been transformed, matured, and that you become like the Christ in which you believe. Now listen, the last couple of hundred years we've reduced the gospel to moral behavior. So if you don't smoke, if you don't drink, and if you don't run with the folks that do, you're okay. But if you do, you're bad. So what we've done is we've just created the law and added the law to grace and just measured your, uh, your faith and your Christianity by the, your behavior. And we've spent so much time critiquing people's behavior that we've never spent the time bringing people into an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit in such a way that God changes your desires and your wants and your longings. So we tell you what to do and what not to do rather than bringing you into relationship with the Holy Spirit who can write on your own heart and change your mind so that you don't even want to do those things. But hear me, you have to take advantage of that. This church has always preached that the law has been fulfilled in Christ and that it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that you become like the Christ. You have to not just take advantage of how better that feels. Because it does feel better to sit under a gospel of grace. But that doesn't mean that you don't apply yourself to growth. That does not mean that you can just go, oh, no, no, no. That means that you have to apply yourself to allow the grace that God gives you to form and reform you into the image of the one that has given you the grace. Am I making any sense? So you don't just get to hear the message of grace and then go live like hell. I'm not, again, questioning your eternal salvation. I'm saying it is a shame. It is an absolute shame not to allow the power of Christ to work in your life. And you keep fighting battles and going through these things, all because the lack of intimacy with the Holy Spirit that's now been placed in your life to conform you and to reform you. It, it, I love Jason Bourne. Any, any, I've got, got to go, I got to go culturally relevant here because you're staring at me like, so anybody know Jason Bourne series, right? And, and so the dude is a CIA dude. He can kill people by spitting bullets at them, right? He, he just swallows bullets and spits them and kills people, right? Uh, I mean, Jason Bourne, he's been taught how to, to, to decode stuff with bubblegum wrappers. I mean, he's better than MacGyver and Superman all put together. And, and, but he's got amnesia. And he wakes up one day and he can't remember that he's a lethal weapon. But, but, but all of a sudden situations happen and he spits bullets. He gets put in a pressuresome situation and he's all this stuff and, and he realizes that there's stuff on the inside of him that he's forgotten is there. And, and they make movies out of this guy that has amnesia and has forgotten the potential that he has. Every time I watch Jason Bourne, I think of the church. I think of the mass group of people that have the same power as the Christ sitting on the inside of them, but they forgot. 
And then I watch as some of you get put into situations and all of a sudden that power comes out. And you go, shazam. And then you forget again. Until you get in another pressuresome situation. And shazam, here comes the power of God. And you go, wow. And then you, then you forget. And then you get put in. And, and so you're just making movie after movie after movie. But you never really recover your identity in Christ. Am I making any sense to you? I want to suggest to you that maybe God's putting you in situations to make you remember. I want to suggest to you that maybe it's not the devil orchestrating the stress that you're under, but maybe it's God orchestrating the stress that you get under trying to help you for remember who you really are. And that maybe if you, never mind, I'm going to write my own movie. A Christian who has amnesia. I think it's a great movie, right? We could have Peter too. And he, he falls up and he, he can't remember that he's Peter. But then all of a sudden he goes into the gate of the temple and bam, it happens. And he goes, oh, maybe I'm Peter. <laughs> It'll sell. I'm suggesting to you that Christ has placed the power of his spirit on the inside of you. And that you are, you are called to be restored into the image and the likeness of God. How many like to be restored? Did you know in order to be restored, the word restored comes from the Latin word to be restoried. If you want to be restored, you have to change the story that you tell yourself. I have people all the time get in front of me and they'll tell me, well, I'm just the way I am. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not very smart. I'm just not very, I never amount to much. Or they'll re recap the story of how they were abused, forgotten, left out, rejected, divorced. And they retell the story over and over and over again. And you will never rise above the story that you tell yourself. If the story you go to sleep with is the story of the past trauma of your life, you'll wake up with that story. And if you're unwilling to change the story that you tell yourself. Listen, one of the reasons I wrote that last book was because there were things in there I was going to tell so I could shut the book on it so that some of you could go read the book and I didn't have to tell you. Because I needed to put it on paper and move on so that I didn't have to keep rehearsing that story. Some of you have read the book. Some of you are going, I don't know what he's talking about. Go buy the book. Some of you need to write the book, close the book, and move on. Because your little story is not the story. Because when Christ came to earth, he took the story of humanity's sin, the story of humanity's failures, the story of humanity's bondages, and he overshadowed it with a bigger story and took that story, and now it's Christ's story. And so he took your sin and your shame and your disease and all of that stuff that you've lived, he took that and redeemed it through the Christ. And you can no longer tell your story without telling it in the story of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Christ. Amen. So it's no longer I that live. But it's the Christ that now lives through me. And you have to allow your mind to be renewed in such a way that when you start talking about Billy Bob, you have to start talking about Christ having saved Billy Bob. 
And that now the one who confessed but denied the Christ has now been reformed and conformed into the image of the Christ. And it's not just Peter, but now it's Christ living through Peter. And it's not just you living your life, but now it's Christ living through you. And so the situations that you find yourself in, there's another one now that is predominantly telling the story that Quentin has been redeemed. That Quentin has been elevated to be seated at the right hand of the Father. That now through Christ, Quentin can do all things. That now with Christ, there is no weapon formed that can stand nor prosper. But you see, we've been so reinforced by the culture around us to limit us to the story of our own behavior that we had never risen above our own behaviors. And hear me, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We are not citizens of the earth. This is not a competitive sport. This is not whoever has the most points wins the game. This is he won the game and we get the prize. Every one of us. And I can tell you, the more you put your kids in sports, the more you put your children in things where they are uh, 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 evaluating them, giving them scores, you are telling them that only if you perform do you get the score. That is the culture of the devil. You listen to me. The greatest attended icons of America are sports. And we put our children in it. I have parents tell me, well, we take the kids to here on Tuesdays and on Wednesdays. The only day off we have is on Sundays. You are being deceived. You are training your children with the liturgy that only if they win the ball game do they win. That will record in their brain in the same way it'll tell them that unless they perform a religious activity to the highest level, that they are not approved by God. Everything is a culture, and culture will win. I go to the mall. I get a new pair of shoes. I feel good about myself. A mall is a culture. It's a liturgy. And the more you train people in the liturgy of pop culture, the more they will be restricted from the liturgy and the kingdom of the living God. Boy, notice how quiet it gets in here. Because nobody wants to give up the liturgies of the world for the liturgies of the kingdom. The way we worship determines the life we live. If you worship the ball game, if you worship the mall, If you worship those things, they are idols. I can go further. If you worship politics, whatever it is you worship, it will train you and it will limit you. I am a child of the kingdom. And it's because of the story of the Christ that I have been resurrected with him, seated with him, and the same power works in me that works in him. And I will renew that liturgy and that story every week by taking the body and the blood and saying he was crucified, I was crucified with him. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives within me. And even though I may fall short of the glory of God, he himself has come to redeem me by his victory on the cross, and therefore I am. Are you listening to me? But I cannot help you. If you continue to go back to the pig trough of the world, I cannot help you. If you keep training your mind to believe that the more you get, the better you are. 
The more you win, the higher you go. That is the world. That is the liturgies and the systems of the world. In the kingdom of God, God took the test. He got the grade and gave you the score. That's the kingdom of heaven. I haven't got time to play with the kingdoms of this world. Why? Because when it comes time to face the death of a brother-in-law, we have to face it. When it comes time to face the diagnosis of a son-in-law, I have to face it. Notice how quiet it gets. Because I understand the real game. And there is. And it's about our lives. It's about our children. It's about our eternal reality. It's about reaching the world with the gospel. Not about getting a niche in my belt because you repeat it after me. It's about literally taking people and transforming them into the reality that they know that the Christ lives on the inside of them. And they can face everything that comes their way. Again, notice how quiet it gets when you begin to challenge the culture of the world. Mm. Look at your neighbor and say, I am a new creation. If God be for me, no one can be against me. Say it with me. I can do all things through the Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to do everything in my life to continue to show my children and my grandchildren that the story they need to be telling themselves is that the anointing of God is on the inside of them and they are guaranteed to overcome the enemy that would try to limit their lives. I'm committed to that. And so we come to this story. Are you ready for the story? I can stop meddling in your... uh, So we come to the story. Acts chapter 3. Are you there? We come to the story. There's a lot of changing going on. Did you see it? They're on their way to the temple. They're moving. Peter and John are moving to the temple. And, and, And the lame man from birth is being carried to his spot. Say his spot. Are you just going to shut me down or are you going to talk back to me? I did, bam, he said I couldn't worship uh, Air Jordan. Uh, uh, he, he being carry, he's not at his spot, but he's being carried to a spot. They haven't gone into the temple. They're on their way to the temple. Say on their way. Have you ever noticed how many things happen in movement? I mean, they're on their way to the promised land and the bread comes from heaven. They're on the way to the promised land and water comes from the rock. He's on his way somewhere, but he goes through Samaria and says something to a woman. He's on his way somewhere, but there's 20,000 people that he has to stop and feed breakfast to. Everything in the kingdom of God happens on the way. Have you ever just been on your way somewhere and God interrupt you? I mean, from point A to point B, God is in the moving of things. When the Spirit of the Lord moves, on the water. God is always in movement. And the reason is because he's not going to let you get to some spot and then say, because I got to this spot, God did something. Because it has nothing to do with getting to your spot. God will help you while you're still on the way. So the power is not in getting to the spot. The power is in the traveling. The power is in the journey. How many of you are journeying towards heaven and you need God to do something on the way, not wait till you get to where? Have I not picked you back up yet? Uh, (laughs) I need God to do stuff when things are moving. And I want to suggest to you that in the world today, things will be a changing. 
Have you noticed things are changing? Everything we counted on, you can't count on it right now. Everything's changing. Everything's moving. There's so much movement. And I look in people's individual lives, and this is changing, this is changing, and there's transition happening everywhere. And, 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 and transition and movement is hard to process. No one's in their place. And, and yet, it, and, the, and transitions are, they're dangerous. The enemy will always catch you in the middle of that transition. Have, have, do any of you go to the grocery store? Two. I don't know what the rest of you do. Two. Hey, do any of you take kids or grandkids to the grocery store? Have you ever noticed where they put the Reese's peanut butter cups? They don't put them up here where I can see them. They put them down here with a seven-year-old. Eye level, buddy. Eye level. I mean, we have targeted the audience. We're putting them Starburst, and we're putting Reese's peanut butter cups, and if we could got room for it, we put some cheap toy right there. And it's down here. I have to bend down to see what they're talking about. And it's on your way out. Have you noticed you're pushing a cart and you're trying to pay the lady and now the kid's talking to you about a Reese's peanut butter cup and how mom never buys it, but pop ought to buy it. And, and listen, they'll get your money on the way out when you're not paying attention. When you're not, have you ever noticed they put gift shops on the way out of a museum? I paid 50 bucks to go through this museum. I ain't paying you another 50 bucks to wear the hat because I don't really care. How many of you got more? I got more stuff on my refrigerator. If you come to my house, there are magnets all over. You can't see the refrigerator. People say, don't you want one of them silver? What would it matter? We got, I've been here, 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 all over the refrigerator because on the way out of the museum, what you at least do is buy a magnet. How many got more stickers? I got these things in my garage and I got stickers from everywhere. Because I came through a museum and I had to have the sticker on the way. They paid $9 on your way out. Have you ever noticed you get taken on your way in or your way out? Because all you want to do is get out. They were going in. Some were coming out. A lot of movement. And you're susceptible to a lot of things. When you're moving in or you're moving out. Are we in red are we in yellow? Are we in green? Are we in blue? Are we, you're, some of you are going, what, what, what? What's, are, are the kids in hybrid? Or are they in person? Are, right? And we never, what, what, what? Are we, are we wearing masks? Are we not wearing masks? Are we, right? I, I want something on my Apple Watch. <laughs> I need to be able to go and go, okay, I'm in Oklahoma, so I don't wear one. I'm in New York, so I have to wear a hazmat suit. I, I need something that is, that is digitally and locationally so that I know, okay, I'm with, I'm with George, so I got to gear up. I'm with Betty, it doesn't matter. I, I mean, you know, right? Have you, have you walk up to people out in public and you're going, do I put it on? Do I, have to wear it? Do I shake it? Not shake it. I don't know what to do. You need to come with signs. I need to, can, can we get a sticker and you just put it on? You can hug me or stay away. I mean, <laughs> ha, 
We need to learn signs. Whatever the sign is, we don't need gang signs. We just need signs. Say, yeah, I'll hug you. I won't hug you. I'll shoot you if you touch me. Get you on track. Laughter. I finally picked you back up over the. uh, (laughs) They were going in and they were going out. This place of vulnerability, this place of change, this, this, this moment where I'm not quite in spot, I don't know what spot I'm in, that place where I generally go, right there. God always does his greatest miracles while you're on the move. He always, they're moving from one side of the lake to the other side of the lake. Something great happens. What I'm trying to say to you this morning, my friends, is there's a lot of movement going on. Watch, because some great things are taking place right in the middle of this thing, right in the moment of doing it. This man who had never walked before, he'd never experienced it before. It's shocking. Peter and John are going to Sunday school. They're between two fixed points. It's really an unscheduled event. Have you ever noticed God never checks your schedule he never checks my schedule he just shows up and I think God I haven't really could we didn't go it ain't on my unscheduled Acts chapter 1 will you now restore Israel to its rightful place and Jesus said it's not for you to know what time or season? I'm going to do that thing. That's why for 63 years, all those idiots that are on TV selling you all their CDs about now's the end time, they're idiots. Because Acts chapter 1 says, no man will ever know the time. Yeah, but we can get close. Nor the season. No, you can't. They're just ripping you off. They're just taking your money. Because you th- I love it when people get close to dying. When people get close to dying, they buy all that end time stuff. Have you noticed older people are all really concerned about, is this the end? You're close. (laughs) Now send me $19.95 for six months. Uh, It's a ripoff. The church has trouble looking at itself and going, that is a ripoff. But that's like having Reese's candy right down here. It's, you know. They're on their way in, they're on the way out, they're in movement. These miracles, it's unscheduled. It's an unscheduled event. God does these things that are unscheduled. They're not, they're not planned. And, and, and all of a sudden, they're, they're faced with this ordinary man who looks over at them from the thing he's being carried from and says, please, begging. And Peter says, look at us. The same Peter that says, no, Lord, you can't go to the cross. The same Peter that says, I don't know him, is the same Peter that today goes, look at me. My desire to your pastor is that you'd be so assured and confident that Christ is in you that you could look at someone begging for something and go, look at me. You know what the church has done? For 250 years, the church has kept you so unconfident in yourself that you haven't had the ability to say, look at me. The church has kept you so beaten down because of your sins and your bad behavior that you've never grown in enough courage to say, look at me. He didn't say, look at Jesus. He said, look at us. We have something. There was a moment 
that we denied him. There was a moment that we failed him. But today we've moved from confession to being conformed in the image of God. And we are confident in the reality that inside of us lived the living Christ. And we can look at the world and say, look at us. Don't look at that other stuff. Look at me, child. Come on, you do it to your children, but you're afraid to do it to others. I am not afraid to look at you and say, Quentin has a history, but his history has been swept up in the history of the Christ. So look at me. He said, look at us. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Somebody in here say, such as I have. Listen, some of you are stuck singing, just as I am. You have to stop singing, just as I am. I am and start singing such as I have see until you know you've got something you can never give it away and I'm here to tell you again legalistic pharisaical religion of the west has kept you beaten down and has never called you up into this place so that you can look at those in need and say such as I have and he grabs him by the right hand Can I tell you, what's in his right hand is a cup. He's held that cup begging all of his life. In order to grab the hand of Peter, guess what he had to let go of? The cup. In order to receive the miracles of God, you might have to let go of what you've been depending on up until this moment. You might have to let go of that thing you've trusted in in order to reach for the hand that's being extended to you. And the hand that's being extended to you will not look like Jesus. It might look like Peter or Paul or James or Bill or Mary or Henry. Because now Christ doesn't manifest through simply the Jesus born of the Mary. Now Christ manifests through people who are born of Billy and Mary. Am I making any sense yet? And he drops the cup and he takes the hands Arise and walk. Instantly, it says that the man began to leap and walk and jump. Have you ever seen a baby walk? Baby's never walked before in its life. And now, though it's walking, it's stumbling. I'm suggesting to you that this change took place in this man. And he began, say began. But he wasn't walking real well yet. He began a journey. But he wasn't real stable yet. And he began. I know people who meet the Christ and they began. But Anita, they never get very good at it. They began. They receive the miracle. They hear the Christ. But they never really. And so they keep stumbling through life. But I want to call your attention to a little word in verse 11. It says that he clung to Peter. You see, God will do changes in your life in the middle of transitions and of moments that you're moving. And he'll show up and he'll make himself known to you through those who have the confidence of say, look at me. And the miracle will start and you'll begin to walk. But this beggar understood something. I have to cling. I have to hold on to. Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Peter is representative of the beginning of the church. 
It's the first miracle that's done by the Acts of the Apostle. It's the first miracle to take place in the birth of the church. And the man who had never walked before began to cling to the church. The other lie that you've been told is that you don't have to be a part of a church. That's the other lie that you have been told. Listen to me. You can know the Christ. You can hear the message. But if you don't cling, you'll always stumble. You have to cling to the gifts, the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the pastors, and the evangelists. Well, I've been hurt by them. I know. Get over it. Because if you don't cling to the gifts that's been given to teach you, you will fall back into the bed that once carried you. You hear me, I'm preaching with everything I got this morning, that the power of Christ can heal you, but you have to cling and be formed and discipled within the elements of the church. And that has to do with people that fulfill offices, that has to do with this thing called the body of Christ. You cannot become all that God intended you to be without the discipleship and the formation that comes through this thing that's now called the body of the Christ. And that is the church. I would never argue that somebody hasn't been hurt. I would never argue that someone hasn't been disappointed. But I would argue that though she may be a woman of ill repute, someday she's going to be the glorious bride of the living God. And you might want to be careful what you say about the old girl, because someday God's going to marry her. Am I, am I? How do I live through the trauma of transition? I have to cling to something higher than I. I have pastored all these years. I'm probably well on my way off. But I'm telling you, I've watched people grab the message, grab the gospel, and they'd cling. And I can give you their names today. And I've watched God transform and change them and then become everything God's intended to be. It's my joy to pastor them for 20 and 25 and 30 years. And then I've watched people get their miracle and God heal their marriage. Or they'll get sober. Or they'll get out of that financial debt. And then the next thing I know, we'd buy a boat. The kids would get older. We got to go to sports. And I can tell you where their shipwreck faith is today. I can point it out to you. Not because they're bad people, not because they're going to go to hell, not any of that, but because they were satisfied with stumbling rather than becoming. Notice how quiet it gets in this spirit-filled church. We are at a moment where I believe that God is pouring out His power. Exceeding great power. I believe that you can receive stuff right now that is like, wow. I have watched people in this church who were basically told they were dead come back to life. In this church, in the last six months. It is profound to me. This is a moment to get it and cling to it. This is a moment to get it and hold on to it. This is a moment not to be divided by the liturgies of the culture, whether they be sports, whether they be shopping, whether they be politics. You need to jettison the liturgies because whatever you expose yourself to will be the culture in which your head gets in. You cannot tell me your mind's being renewed if you keep holding on to the things of this culture. You've got to get rid of them. And you've got to grab the culture of the kingdom. And when you do, you'll cling. You'll cling. You'll hold on to. 
listen, I have held on to the men and the women who have trained and apostled me. Anita can sit here and tell you who they are. If they're living, I'm still like this with them. Because it was through them. And I'll never discredit that. Still submitted to them. Still called them again. Some of them show up here. My life's really nice. I got to tell you, I'm living a nice life. Doesn't mean it's problem free. <laughs> Wished it were. But, but what are you clinging to? What are you holding on to? What are you giving yourself to? The way you move from Ash Wednesday to the power of the resurrection is to look in your life. This isn't about giving up sugar. Well, I gave up Starbucks. You get an A. I don't know what you want. No, this is about giving up those things that stand in the way of you becoming everything God's called you to become. This is the season, not just to fast to impress. This is the season to look into your life. I've often wondered, I've often wondered, I've been carried around all my life. People felt sorry for me my whole life. And they picked me up and they carried me to my spot and I shook my cup. Because people felt sorry for me for my whole life because I was a baby that was born that couldn't walk. So I've lived by allowing others to carry me and put me in my spot. And I'd shake my cup and people come and get me and carry me back home. And I, now I can walk, but I have nowhere to go to work. Now I can walk and no one's coming to carry me. Now I can walk. What do I do now that I know the Christ? What do I do now that I have a healing? This is traumatic. My world is upside down. I was jumping up and down a moment ago because I can walk. But now I've just realized no one's come to carry me home. Well, maybe this Christ stuff isn't all it was cracked up to be. <laughs> I think I'll lay back down here. <laughs> I don't feel good again today. Would you carry me? I love you. That's why I'm preaching to you. I love you, but I've watched people do it. Because they get so comfortable being carried. That they can't contain the Christ. See, you got to be conformed to the image of the Christ and turn your back on being carried so that you can experience the fullness that God has for you. This is a good message. It's really a truthful message. I believe that we're moving through many changes in America. I believe we're moving through many changes in the world. I frankly believe the church is being reformed in ways that she hasn't been in 500 years. I truly believe that with COVID and how we've had to do things different, that the church is having to really take a look at herself and take a hard look at what she's preached, take a hard look at what she said to you, 
It's not just repeat after me. It's not just give my money. It's come and cling. Come and hold. Come and stay close. Come and challenge some of the things we've allowed to creep into our lives. I love you. But some of the things that we give ourselves to out there really are not healthy for us. And I'm not talking about smoking or drinking or running with folks that do. I'm talking about a culture that shapes and molds and if you don't have on sevens, you can't go to. If you don't have the right shoes, you don't fit in. Come on, you're raising kids. You know I'm telling the truth. If you don't look just right, if you're not you don't have the right shape, you're not. If you're not the right color. Wow. This is Lent. This, this, this is the place where I confess the Christ. I cling to the Christ. And I experience that metamorphosis of becoming like the Let them play for a moment. We just close your eyes.
Christ, the Son of the living God, have mercy on us. Would you stand with me this morning? Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.